Well, today we have a guest speaker with us, and the original plan was for Ken and I to have more of an interview, uh, but after speaking on the phone this week, I think we both came to the decisions like, no, I think actually we just need to turn you loose and let you do your thing. Ken has so much to share with us today. I honestly am thrilled that you are here. Just a little bit about Ken. Uh, he is an investment banker, work-wise, has been in investment banking for 40 plus years in England. He's one of the most respected investment bankers in the entire country, okay? Okay, so that, that's what he does work-wise. Also, he's connected with Alpha. He's the chairman of Alpha. Alpha, across our campuses at Embrace right now, we're doing the Alpha program and the Alpha course. It teaches the foundations of the faith, and Alpha has brought the foundations of the faith worldwide. I mean, in a way that I can't even kind of explain. It's just everywhere has brought the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's married to his wife, Fee. He has four adult children. Two fun facts about Ken. Uh, first off, he has the voice of God. If you're ever wondering what the voice of God sounds like, it sounds like Ken. Uh, God has a British accent, just to let you know if you did not know that. Uh, so there's that. And also, I met Ken uh, just over a year ago. There was 30 pastors and I. We gathered in this rundown, crappy cabin in the middle of nowhere, Montana. And Ken was one of the people they brought in from London just to pour into pastors. And so I come today just excited to hear from him myself, and I know that Ken is a pastor of many pastors all around the world, just in a wonderful way. And so if you would, at all campuses and network churches, put it up for Ken Costa. Well, at least now you know what the voice of God sounds like. <laughs> but I have to remind you... Uh, Pastor Adam, that uh, I don't have an accent, you do. <laughs> and it's uh, wonderful to be here uh, and to be listened to here in South Dakota, here in, in Minnesota, and it's a huge privilege for me uh, to have been invited to, to be with you. It was somewhat surprising when I told friends of mine that I would be coming to Sioux Falls, which in London not many people have heard of, um, and uh, to South Dakota. And I was very excited by it. I feel very much at home already, not only because you've made me feel welcome, but being a banker, I've never seen so many banks in such a... <laughs> so you must be extremely rich uh, with all the gold in those vaults. And um, other than the city of London, there must be the largest number of banks per population anywhere in the world. So... You, you, um, it's, so I feel very much at home here and a privilege to be with you. Um, but I'll tell you a secret, and the secret is this, that I really wanted to be here because, at least according to your tourist authority, South Dakota is the pheasant hunting capital of the world. <laughs> um, and... I remember once um, hunting pheasants in, in the UK, and somebody said to me, um, we've got something very special to show you today. And I said, well, what is it? He said, wait and see. And they had important, imported a Dakota pheasant. And I said, well, why? And he said, wait. And of course, this is the characteristic. It takes off at a, at a sharp angle, much quicker than our rather fat, flabby thing. So, <laughs> 
you know, it's sort of, and they look so beautiful. It sort of reminds me of this church, doesn't it? You've taken off so fast, you look good. What else is there to worry about? And maybe if I don't mess it up too badly today, you might have me back. And if you do, maybe a little pheasant for the pot might not be uh, a, a bad reward. So we'll open the voting soon afterwards so that your pastor can respond to that self-invitation from me. But I want to, uh, I, I believe I have, I have a simple message I want, to, I want to bring to you today, and it's simply this. I've written a book called Know Your Why. Um, I obviously can't go into every detail of it, but you can, you can get, get the book. And it is facing, how do you find and fulfill your calling in life? To know your why and to own your core story is, in my view, the bravest thing you will ever do. And it will transform your community, your church, your city, and your country. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Embrace Church is that you know your why and you are so clear about your core story. What is your core story? Well, you've spelt it out for everyone to see, to reach the next person for Christ. But not only are you wanting to reach the next person for Christ, but your very word in the name of your church, I am embrace, is to reach and to embrace, to draw into a community of God that person that you have reached. And what a wonderful story that is, that God is co-writing with you. And if you believe in a story then you have three things that matter that you need to give time. You've got to write it. Energy, well, I don't know that I particularly want to do it today. And money. And you've given your time or energy and your money with Pastor Adam and the, and the rest of this amazing leadership, Brian and others, to create a core story in this church and in this city. And I'm so privileged to be able to recognize that and to say, well done keep it up. And I'd say one other thing about a cool story. It's not only for a church, it's also for a country. You're having elections in a day or two's time. Don't worry, I'm not going to go anywhere near, near politics. We have enough issues of our own with Brexit as to whether we're leaving the European Union or not. But I do want to say this. Your core story of this country is written on your currency notes in God we trust. And whatever might happen, it is of vital importance that America doesn't lose confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only for the city, for this country, but also for, for the world at large. It's that's the core story of the country. You have a core story as a community. But I want to ask you, what is your core story? And anyway, you may say to me, well, okay, what is all this talk about a core story? What is a core story? Well, a core story is something like an operating system of a computer. You can't see it, but if it weren't there, nothing would work. It is something that I believe that God has implanted Within, within us and within you. 
a core story that he is co-writing by his Spirit uniquely with each one of us. No one else is writing that same story. But what is it? Well, if you forget everything that I say, and they're eminently forgettable, then remember three things. You're loved by God. He died for you. Jesus died on a cross for you and for me. You're known by him. The mistakes, the screw-ups of your life are known by him. And he has called you to be loved, to be known, and to be called. And those three ingredients, what is this calling? It's that deep inner conviction that the spirit of the living God says to me that the whole of my life matters not just what I do on a Sunday, in my workstation, in my workplace, in my home, in my gym, in school, in universities or colleges. I wrote a book called God at Work to help people in the workplace where I have been for 40 years. And you don't have to tell me, and I wouldn't dare tell you, there's a lot of pressure out there. It's a tough gig. But I've learned this, that my workstation is my worship station. And the place where I am working is where God calls me, equips me, and is with me to write a core story of the good news of Jesus Christ in the workplace. I'm not a pastor. I'm a banker. But the calling is to be a good banker, to be a good accountant, to be a good software programmer, a good teacher, a good accountant. Because the Spirit of God is is with us. And I think one can always come to the, to the view and say, look, but how do you do this? Well, there is a real choice that needs to be made by you and by me. Are we going to live by the premises of the world or by the promises of the Word? Because the premises of the world will tell you to grab, to grasp, to be greedy, to take what you can. And the promises of the Word will tell you to be generous, to give, to help build an amazing place that you're building in the various parts of this church where you're gathered. So we need to come and we're writing a core story, your core story, my core story. It needs to start somewhere. Every book starts with an opening chapter. And there are four words with which that chapter of your life should start. And if you start with those four words, it will utterly change your life. And those four words are the same four words in the start of the Old Testament and also in the New Testament in the Greek starting. The English has a few more words. They're more than four, so I'll cheat. And just keep to the four. And you know those four, don't you? In the beginning, God. And when we look at the stories that God is looking that we're writing in our lives, just remember that in the beginning, God. Stop wherever you are. If you're trying to run your life by yourself, by your own lights, your own insights, by some self-help book, by some other person who is trying to input into your life, stop. Reboot. In the beginning, God. 
<coughs> which is the way in which we will find this extraordinary truth. But I don't want you to take it from me that we are called to be writing this story, co-writing with God a story. Hear from Jesus the words that he says. And I read from John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me. I don't know whether you feel I'm, I'm voted for God. I'm in a church. I've, I've made a choice for him. But he says, you didn't choose me. But I, God himself, Jesus, chose you. It's an amazing thing to be chosen. But not only did he choose you. What, yeah, and I often think that, that it's, it's nice to be known that I'm chosen for a team. You will have, and I should know, but I don't, a favorite team in and around the city. Do you? That'll cause a division, so we won't go there. And we say it's so good to be invited to play for the team. But it'd be of no use if you were chosen for a team but didn't have any of the equipment. You had no gym, no, 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 um, no training fields, no training opportunities, no dietary advice. What point would that be? And Jesus answers that. He says... I have chosen you and I have appointed, which simply means I have invested in you. I've chosen you, I've invested in you, I've given you everything you need to write the story of the way in which I have uniquely created you in this world, to reach this world and the next person, so that you might go. I love that word, and I love the way in which you, the church, are writing the go in every one of your campuses. You're not sitting back. You're going to reach the people with this good news and to bear fruit. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian. We bear fruit. But Jesus goes on to say, I want to tell you this is not any old fruit. You know, we, we know very well we want sustainable energy, we want sustainable economics, we want a sustainable environment. And Jesus here says, I want sustainable fruit, not just stuff that appears today and gone tomorrow. Fruit that will last. You didn't choose me, I chose you, I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that's the amazing truth is that we are chosen, we are called. And if we look at Paul writing in, in, the, in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul makes it very clear. He says that the good work, I'm confident of this, Paul says, confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus or if you allow me to do a loose translation, that he who started a core story in chapter one of your life will go through the sentences, the paragraphs, the chapters, right to the end. He will bring to completion what he has started in you. He's not a just a stop-start God that just forgets about us. He says, I've called you, I've drawn you, I'm writing a story in your home with your children in your workplace, how you work, how you respond, 
in the hospital in which you're working. There's no such thing as a, a sacred and a secular world. There is one Lord Jesus Christ, and He's called you and me to write the story, to know your why. Know why your, know your purpose in this life. If you know your why, you will flourish in the life you're made for. If you don't know your why, you will flounder. If you know your why, you will find your way in life. And if you don't know your why, everything else will get in the way. And I believe that there is within each one of us here, you and me, there is a, an idea, longing to come out, a thought that the Spirit of God is trying to work with you, a hope that He's trying to give you a context for, an aspiration that He's trying to draw you out of. That's the core story. Deeply embedded in our spirit is this longing to hold together something that is valuable and changing of the world in which we're living. Our core stories are our lives. And we live them each day. And it's powerful to live them each day. Because that's the way we will make a change in the world around us. And some people say, well, you know what? I've got a cool story and I'm going to get there by willpower. I'm just determined. I'm going to get there. This is the way. This is who I am. And if you go that way, you'll burn out. Some say, do you know what? My cool story is whatever it is. You know, God will do what God will do. But hey doesn't terribly matter if you're just saying whatever you will drop out and if you say well you know my story is going to be some fantastic new company I'm going to start it's going to be worth billions but I'm not really going to do anything about it I'm just a sort of wannabe then you will simply just fade out it is in worship when we come before God that these core stories are developed by the power of the Spirit of the living God. That's where we dream. And the dreams that are given by the Spirit of God are absolutely unbeatable. But the dreams that are given by the self are unbearable. But they fail. We don't have the energy, the sustaining energy. You say to me, can yeah, it's great, this cool story. I like cool stories when they're cool and got Hollywood endings and when everything's going well. But what when I screw up? What happens then? What happens when I fail? A, a few years ago, a group of us um, working in finance were set up, decided to set up our own company. And everybody said, you know what? These guys are going to succeed. They're the best. And we thought so. We drank the Kool-Aid. We thought we were the best. And we failed in our activity. We got the market wrong. It's a very painful experience. It still is. How did we get it wrong? Why didn't we see this? Why weren't we better with the spreadsheets? Why didn't we listen? 
But I learned a few lessons. I learned this. I learned that I must never say that I'm a failure, and I beg you, please never say that you are a failure. Because if you are a failure, it would mean that Jesus Christ, who lives in you, would have failed in you. And he is not in the business of failing. Chapter 11 doesn't exist in the vocabulary of God. Of course it is true that you fail in a project, or in a new business, or in a relationship. But you are not a failure. And I learned three little lessons. i just share them with you. May be helpful. One, do learn. Learn from what went wrong. Learn so that you don't do it again. Second, don't linger over it. Because if you linger over it, it's not going to change. But if you're anything like me, it goes around on a loop in your head. Don't linger. And thirdly, lean forward. This is not just a bit of self-help advice. It is that we lean forward because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the future is known to him because he has made the future. When I die, I shall be with him. I shall either be speaking to your staff tomorrow morning or I shall be with with Jesus in heaven tomorrow. I am quite sure that there is a a leaning forward to that future that the Spirit of the living God puts in your heart and in my heart. And the other thing is, you can't really do it on your own. I want to illustrate this, if I may. We have in the UK two brothers who run the triathlon. They're called the Brownlee brothers. And Ali Brownlee won the Rio gold medal Uh, and after that he was uh, in the Olympics and after that he was wanting to become the world champion and he was in a race with his brother and he was ready to get to that world championship when the following happened have a look at this video this me this is a horrible sight Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course. And Alistair's stopped to help him along. And Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cozumel as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium. Oh my God, I cannot believe what we are seeing here. Matt, is this allowed? Is he allowed to help his brother? You know, is that part of the rules? I'm not too sure. We've never seen anything like this before. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes in Cozumel. To finish in second and third, but Johnny can hardly stand. And Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home, pushing him home for second. Johnny finishes in second. Do you know, I like to think of myself that if, if it had been me, I would have gone, I would have put my arm around my brother and I'd have said, okay, bro, come with me. Um, I would have done it. Then when I'd have got to that line, I think I would have turned to him and said, mate, it's the world championship. You don't mind coming third, do you? 
I'm sure you'd have done something different. But I would have done that, and I'd have breasted it. But he didn't. He pushed his brother ahead of him and lost the world championship. Jesus Christ preferred us. And the story that he writes with us is a story that we can only do in and through other people. And it's an instinctive thing that is born within us that we want to help others. And God is with, with you and with me in the stories that he wants to write because he wants to be sure that we know that we can break through, not just living in break-even territory like the end of our monthly accounts when we don't quite know whether there's enough money coming in or out to pay the bills. And this breakthrough is what makes these core stories of our lives so powerful. Let me illustrate this. We have not great weather in the UK, and therefore if we want to grow anything, we have to grow it in greenhouses. And there's a greenhouse last year in Kent where they grew tomatoes and flowers and food. And, and then in the corner, there was an agave plant. Does anybody know what an agave plant is? Yeah, all the tequila drinkers I can see. see. <laughs> It's the source for tequila. But this, this, this plant was in that corner, and it was neglected for 40 years. For 40 years, that plant was totally next, didn't have any water, didn't have anything, was just forgotten. And then last year, within a scope of six weeks, that plant grew by 40 feet. And do you see where, what it did? It didn't suddenly get to the resistance point and say, well, the story's over. There's a roof. I've got to turn back. The power within that plant was that it had the energy of agave, probably the tequila that had it going, but the power within us is the spirit of the living God. And he broke through that ceiling, broke through the glass. And I want to just say this to you, that when you write the core story of your life, co-writing it with the Spirit of the living God, then there is no lid, no ceiling, no, no top that cannot be broken through by His power. No limit. And there was a man, his name was Jesus, And they'd sealed him in a tomb like that, uh, a tomb right around him. And they left him there discarded. And he broke the seal and broke out of it, just as you and I will do in his power. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is with you and me as we co-write the stories of our lives as we break the resistance points of finances and family, of broken hopes and broken promises, as we break through that, we know the energy of the resurrected Jesus Christ writing individual stories, yes, but writing them together in our church, in the community, in our city, and I believe in our countries. And that is what a core story really is. If you know your why, and as I said, I can't go through all the details how you know your why, but you can get it on Amazon. <laughs> know your why. It's the book I wrote. Know your, if you know your why and prepare to grasp your own 
core story. And know that unlike every other story that you've ever heard, there is no page that says the end. Because in the end they thought he died on a cross. But in the end, he broke the seal. As that plant broke the ceiling, he rose again. And our core stories are not just for today or for tomorrow, but will last into eternity. Why did we stand? I'd love to pray with you if that's all right. I'd love to give you an opportunity to, just in the quietness of your heart, to allow the Spirit of God to touch you. And I particularly want to speak to those who feel, as I felt, the pain of disappointment, of hardship, and of failing in something you really set your heart to do. God is close to those whose hearts are broken, who know the pain of failure. So if you don't mind, I'd love to pray for you right now. If you just bow your heads, it's a safe place. In the quietness of your own heart, if you could just bring to God that which is troubling you. The disappointment of what could have been but isn't. What you'd hoped for but won't be. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people here today. I pray that by your Spirit you will heal the harm, the hurt, and the pain. And you will enable them to come through this time. Learning, not lingering, and leaning forward into the power of your resurrection. And I also pray that every person will leave this place today knowing their why. The purpose for which you have drawn them into this world. And you would lean close to them and co-write a story that is the Spirit of God writes, co-writes with each person here. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.